I realised how loud the kitchen clock is. Oh yeah. You can hear like two or three different clocks in, in our living room if nothing else is happening. And it's just like, I, I grew dick, up in a house dick, which dick, had dick, dick, dick. 30 clocks and it like long cases and stuff oh, like bloody that. Hell. So I, I just at one point just was able to just tune them out or concentrate on one. And it's, is that or you go completely nuts? <laughs> Number, yeah, well, <laughs> number exactly. number twelve is slightly out. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, they were all they'd all chime at different times because you oh. don't want them all chiming at exactly the same time because the house will fall. Out. Yeah. <laughs> does Stuff mean starts coming down. Does mean that, that yeah, the turn of the hour becomes an extended period of time. Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe that's why my timekeeping is so bad because there were so many clocks in there. <laughs> it's meaningless. To And welcome to Robot Dice Explosion. I'm Ben. I'm Ollie. I'm Tony. Yes, you are. I am. Mm. So, yeah, we're joined by Tony this week, who uh, I've known for a painful number of years. I don't... How long? 15 long years. Is it that? Yeah, so, I met Tony when I was working at the Portsmouth Games Workshop, and uh, Tony was looking for friends. I'm always looking for friends. I burn through them so quick. <laughs> I pulled the short straw and I somehow lasted. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe tell us like what, what your hobby background is, how you got into it or whatever, and then we'll get on to what we're going to talk about today. Sure. Uh, I think I would be described as the Games Workshop fanboy uh, yeah. for several years. You love it. I, I did love it. I'm I'm slightly less fanboyish now, I think. Yeah, that might be part of why we're having this conversation. Might be part of the conversation. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I was 40k through and through until the start of 7th edition, when I, for various reasons, decided it wasn't fun anymore. Sure. Uh, gave it a rest for about two years or so, and then jumped into Age of Sigmar. Um, and I've been playing that for four years, mostly competitively. Okay. Mm. And, you, I mean, I've known you to dabble in other games... Like you, you played Flames of War for a oh, did, while. That was, good. that was a good couple of years, actually. Lord of the Rings at all? No, I never got into that. Oh, okay. um, War Machine for a while. Did you? Yes. Huh, I didn't realise that. Did you not? No. Remember I painted everything up really quickly. That's not as well. That doesn't you. define any of your forces. That's all of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, one of... But a version... Start of version 2, I think it was. Yeah, that's probably yeah. when I got in. Yeah. So, that's when they got rid of page 5. I remember that being a thing. Oh no, that well, page five was in. Oh no, yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to try and speak authoritatively on this. Yeah, no, he changed it at the beginning of second edition, I believe. Yeah, yeah. that's. He, that's he, what he went the whole. No, this is not. This is not an excuse to be a jerk, guys. Yeah, that would. Yeah, because well, the original one was very much written, not explicitly so, but it certainly sounded like it gave you an excuse to be a jerk. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, like the page five was essentially like. Uh, an anti GW manifesto, basically. Well, play with your balls out, sort of thing, wasn't it? It was just like go, just just go full on, because the assumption then is if everyone's going full on, then everyone's still going to have a good time. I think, which I'm not sure. Really I think works, it was it was it was very it was a very clear design intent, but I think that should have been a behind the the curtain sort of job rather yeah. than out front. Mm. It's it's not a game suited for narrative or other sort of ways of playing. Mm. You can't just casually play War Machine. No. Mm, um, it's certainly going to be a different experience. 
you will not enjoy it if you're not playing with someone else who's equally casual. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I've played it in small groups in the same way that I played Magic the Gathering in small groups where like everyone's like, well, I'm not going to spend too much money because you know, let's mm. be realistic about this. So you'll only see like new things and you can always go, oh, I know everything you've got except for the new thing you bought. Can I see the card? And then you're only learning one new thing. Whereas my experience of both Magic the Gathering and, uh, and War Machine like competitively is... You just you need to know everything your opponent's got and how it can interact. Kind of. Um, yeah. Which I can understand it being attractive to some people. I just don't have the time uh, or the money uh, for that or never have. It, really. it, it was a tight rule set. It's just um, th- those that page five will live in infamy yeah. as a poor choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. So, uh, right, that was a bit of a digression. <laughs> what yes. I was going how to say... How unlike this podcast. <laughs> what I was going to say is that uh, you are... Fairly active on Twitter. Yes. Um, are you what are you, are you Core Games Tony? Is that right? Uh, core Games Tony or Core Games Event? I think it's Core Game Events. One or the other. Yes. <laughs> um, Some of these words. I mean, that comes from you. You used to run Core Games Events quite frequently, and mostly they were 40k centered, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, tournaments. There were a few others, but mostly 40k. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think you're probably known on Twitter for. Uh, painting to a decent standard absurdly quickly and playing Age of Sigmar, Sigmar at tournaments. Yes. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's makes your brand at the moment, isn't it? Yes, there's a few other <coughs> things, but yes. Okay. So, uh, one of the... We've been trying to get together and, and talk about stuff in the past, and I think painting is one of the ones that we will talk about, but uh, mm. not today. Uh, today sort of prompted by... There was a bit of a kerfuffle in the Age of Sigmar competitive community which seemed like it had been building for a little while uh, around essentially like the, the balance the meta and being able to adapt to it so it was, it was the gt wasn't it yes the last gt in january right um, although the cause of it was released uh as a start of january yes okay so you, you had a major release at the beginning of january and then yes. a tournament like within that month yes um and the gt is gw's like flagship yeah, it's the it's the the hundred and twenty player event. They it used they used to have qualifiers for a final. Yes, the, the heat one, heat two, and then a final. Yeah, heat yeah. one, like however many, many more. Sure. Um, now it's a um, the top six from every event go to a semi masters type job. Right. Okay. This, this sounds like a sort of rebranding of the same sort of concept. Yeah, but this, with this, this is all after yes. I stopped going to them. Yeah. So diverting, uh, segueing, segueing again. Yeah. So um, the issue they had was uh, they couldn't sell the finals tickets. So if you can, if you can rent out Warhammer World for a weekend, you want to make sure you get 120 players in. I think the finals yeah. are only getting 70 to 80 for each system. Interesting. Because you have to buy the ticket again. So it's a yes. £65 ticket followed by a £65 ticket and you have to make sure you're available that weekend and I think those two factors together... And you've got to get to Nottingham, you've it's, got to yeah, get and the hotel. There. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's, hotel. it's going to cause attrition. In, if you limit your, your pool of players, it's going to cause attrition. So now they have two GTs, did you say? Well, AOS has three. Okay. Might be four and 40k definitely has And then four. the top players from these are invited back at... At no cost to essentially, yeah, because it's a much smaller group, say twenty four. I think the numbers add up there. Okay, mm. um, they just take up a corner of the gaming hall, and they can use the rest of the hall for something else. 
I mean, okay. it, makes sense. it sounds like it's the same thing, but like just a rescaling of of, of, of sure of things in a way. I think um, I think it might also be free, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. You'd sort of hope it would be because you're. Yeah, well, well, and I imagine it's all on Twitch and stuff. So. Yes, the Did top you, table. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, yes, Warhammer TV. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Okay. That, that that thing is streamed somewhere. Yes. I've never really I, watched too much except <sighs> when I've seen people it's, I know on there. It's a bit of an odd experience being on it. Or so when I, when I was on it a couple of years ago, I think they've streamed on the process a bit now. I, I've never enjoyed watching uh, people play miniatures games like on YouTube or whatever. I don't know why I find it too slow. I lose interest and start doing something else and then realise I haven't been paying attention. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of it is about the commentators. If you yeah, well, of course, I've not watched it with commentators. I've only watched people then, like, film their game or whatever. I mean, I, if it's a good commentator, I'm just basically listening to podcasts because I'm painting. It's yeah, yeah that, that's that's right. When I've watched, I used to watch more Machine and it was mostly I'd be painting or something like that and then I would listen to the commentary and then if it sounded like something important was happening, you'd look up. Yeah. But... I think I like the idea of it, but the reality tends to be... I think the idea that I like is too much production time because I would want it to be cut together from and clips and with different narration and stuff like that, so Beard, condensed down. Beard Minis does some very nice guild ball ones okay. where he speeded up and then you have pop-ups with the cards and commentary. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. So, what so he doesn't thinking. show you an entire... I mean, he does show you an entire game, but it's not in real time. It's sped up with... Yeah. Proper production and commentary. Okay. So that's different how the Warhammer TV guys do it because everything. Well, they're doing it live. They're doing it live, yeah. and the the production assistant is sat at the edge of you can't see them, but they're sat at the edge of the table. So you you take the time to explain how the rules to your opponent, um, but they're doing the live feed as well, and then they look up. Oh, sorry, could you explain that again? Because the judges, or the commentators, didn't quite. Uh, hear what you're getting out there. Oh. So then you've explained it to your opponent, and, <laughs> and now you have to explain it to the audience. Now you haven't. Oh, the audience can't hear you. You're explaining it to the <laughs> the assistant, who's then relaying that information to the uh, commentators about twenty foot away because you can't hear what they're saying because yeah, yeah. that would influence your game. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, which means it bogs down. It's, it yeah. you can't flow with the game. Well, it's interesting, interesting because in in any other, if, if if it's for sport or something, then you no, would normally have. The depth of knowledge of the commentator would be largely equal to the the, the options that you're going to see on the telly. But with war games, there are so many combinations of different little rules that can interact. And it's at tournaments where people wheel out this thing that they've figured out and they're hoping no one else has has, has clocked yet. And so you might get the, the commentators being like, I'm not quite sure what's happening there and I didn't hear him declare what it was. All I see is him rolling dice sort of thing. So yes. yeah, that's that's an interesting part of the production I'd never really thought I about. I mean And then you have um what's even worse and then people are doing live commentary on Twitch going, I don't think that's how that works. Oh yeah, sure. And then there's oh, there are people who are accused of being caught cheating, which isn't part of this, but there's another oh, interesting that's, side topic yeah. of a live broadcast on a tabletop game. Is that's, that's yeah, the that's, role of a referee? There's been a few cases of that with more machine as well. Yeah. Oh god, really? Where someone someone has been accused of like nudging models around and stuff like that. Yeah, but there's there's always there's, there's always someone who'll try and get away with stuff, and now they get caught. Mm. I, which I think is a good thing, but like I mean, so online dogpiling on people who are then doing that is 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 not really cool. No, like, we've um, seen some and I, effects I, of dogpiling recently. Mm, so like, yeah, I mean, I've never watched much of their stream. I know. 
PP streams some of their tournaments, and he will generally there'll be some staff members commentating, but you'll frequently also have yeah. uh, top players comment. Oh, hmm. Sort of co-host. Yeah. Which is interesting. I suppose they have that advantage over as um, it's a much a much smaller community, isn't it? I don't know. Over in the states, over in the states, pretty massive. Okay. Quite large. I don't know. I have no numbers to hand or anything. So I know. I I'm, really... I'm, sorry, I'm just coming from the GW <laughs> angle where they can't just let every top fan come on there and uh, be no. Well, no. when I, was, I, I think like a part of it is that a bunch of the the players have been around for a very long time and know the staff. Mm. Sure. And are friends with some of the staff that you get invited on to come help commentate. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, to try and like <laughs> bring it back to something back we were thinking track. about. So, so the topic really is going to be, if we can stay on it, is going to be about uh, meta and, and 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 balance and mm. all of that sort of stuff. So, can Tony, can you talk us through roughly what went down at the end of January and why people are finding that like the the trigger point for questioning whether they're in it anymore or not? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Zinch. Uh, Disciples of Zinch, sorry, uh, okay. was the new was the new battle tome at the time, yeah, uh, and had a, a set of very strong. The it was it was a strong battle tome when it was first released, and then some very heavy erratering and points adjustments later. It was very much not a top book anymore, yeah. And then it's been re released, and it's gone straight to the top. Um, weirdly, for the same battalions again. Uh, the change host lets you, if you're, it's a you, it's a battalion. In Age of Sigma, which is a conglomeration of units or yeah. war scrolls, uh, which you have to have a Lord of Change and then X amount of demons mm-hmm. units, uh, demons of Zinch, uh, which makes your army one drop, which is important because that essentially dictates you decide who goes first or second. Yeah, uh, which is another mechanic. The battalion ability though lets you pick two units, unlimited range, take them off the board, and then set them up anywhere else. More than nine inches away from an enemy you uh, And you can your, do that when? In your hero phase. Okay, free. so any turn in your hero phase. Every turn in your yes. hero phase. Right. Seems strong. <laughs> yes. Seems strong, uh, but then you you could combo up with one of two sub-factions, we call them. So okay. um, you have the Zinch faction as yeah. well, and it has Destiny dice, which is like legal cheating. Um, and then you get a, a sub-faction within that. So one of them allows Flamers to have an additional minus one rend. Yeah, and another one means you can't retreat from horrors. Okay, both of which are problematic units because the flames have a very long range and lots of damage. Yes, and the horrors, well, one pink horror is essentially four wounds. So you put a unit of twenty of those down, you've got to chew through eighty wounds. And if you then can't retreat from them, you're, you're stuck. stuck. Yeah, you can also. There are ways to get models back into that pink horror unit. Yes, of course there are. <laughs> with those destiny dice we were talking about mm, earlier. Yeah. Um, so good so, luck with that. So it sounds like the problem, a couple of the problems straight away are you're able to pick up flamers and drop them wherever you need them to be, and they're going to be in range to shoot people. Yes, which seems like a bad thing straight up. Yeah, because that basically means they've got infinite range. Yeah, you might be increasing the risk to that unit. Sure. Um, but if you've killed the risk, then yeah, indeed, and, you're, you know, you're effectively heavy artillery should not have infinite mobility. No, um, or, or there should be some kind of downside, perhaps, whatever. Um, and the other one is that you can also put the what sounds like potentially the best tar pit unit in the game 
wherever you need it to be. Yes. Okay. And two of them. Yes. This this does sound problematic. Is there any way where you can place the flamers down and then have some kind of screen of, of horrors in front of it so the flamers can't have any uh, repercussions? Well, yes, because you could set up two units doing this. <laughs> cool. Okay, so I, I can see how this might already be problematic. So, yeah, this, this book came out and then shortly after there was a GT and I believe uh, two of the top three were Zinch. Okay. And they were both running the change host, and the winner, in fact, was running a change host. Um, not that there's anything wrong with them. The, the book was out. Everyone knew it was out. That that right, like, they didn't do anything wrong. It's just that that was a little bit much. I think hmm. is what the community agreed in a uh, what's the word you used earlier? A um, charitable way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. No. No. I don't. I don't think it, it's not on the players. If you use something and it turns out to be too good, that that's not your fault. I think when it comes to list writing, you shouldn't be expected as a player in a competitive scene to be constrained by background or by oh, it's being not, it's, nice. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's, you shouldn't <clears throat> be constrained by, oh, it's not very nice if you do that. Yeah. Well, then you sh- if you don't want it done, you shouldn't let me. Yeah, it's a competitive scene, so you expect that. I mean, there's etiquette and so on that you want to think about. But, like, yeah, I, I don't think... Yeah, that, that's more related to your behaviour at the table, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but this has been errated now. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that change host ability is only one unit. Okay. Still seems strong. Still seems strong. And I'm um, listening to another podcast uh, where they interviewed the winner. Um, he said he there was, are other podcasts. Yeah, apparently oh, so. Actually, apparently this is this other people. Do I it. thought we were number, number, number one podcast in the world. But okay. <laughs> oh, carry, on. carry on. Indeed. I'm sorry. Um, that's all right. We'll let you off. Yeah. Will we? Yes. They interviewed the winner. Um, oh, the priority role. That was the name of the podcast. Ah. Not that that's particularly... That makes sense. Yes. Uh, they interviewed him and he was like, yeah, I didn't really need both free deploys, I just needed one. Yeah. So I'm not too sure how his performance would have been affected by this. And he's a good player, I'm not mm-hmm. going to take that away from him. If you just if you walked in off the street into the Games Workshop with this collection of models and these rules, um, you probably wouldn't win. Okay. No. Which, yeah, there is, there is a lot of other stuff going on in the list and you need to understand how it works. But if you're a... I, I would I would say it gives a competent player the edge over any other competent player by a large margin. Okay, yeah, sure. All other things being equal. I mean, it, it's not like this sort of thing is particularly new. Netlisting was a, a, a problem with 40k for a long time. I don't even think it's netlisting. Less... It's just so obviously <clears throat> strong. Sure, but what I mean is the... Uh, Use, when I using a powerful list you haven't made yourself. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, we both know have known players who would go online they'd, they'd download well they'd, they'd find a list and they just they'd rock up with that but they wouldn't know how to use it mm-hmm. so yes it would make up for certain weaknesses in their play so I'd, I'd say that is definitely in Asia Sigma and it is showing in the standings so there's a um, another faction called the Ossiarch Bone Reapers yes um, who are the Games Workshop brand skeletons now yes because generic skeletons couldn't be copyrighted mm. and they're not that's, that'd be very cynical of me to say <laughs> well, they have changed all their all the names of everything to be some sort of weird fantasy version, even more fantasy. So, you, so who can blame them? Honestly, but there's a there's a and there's nothing wrong with the faction. But again, these these sub factions, there's one that's picked almost exclusively over every other single one, which sure. is the plus one armor save, sure. yeah. which you can put on the gash. <laughs> okay, I and, imagine that he's yes, and and his. 
command ability is reroll ones to save, and he's cutting around with a two plus armor save. Oh, good. Yes. Cool. So that's that's a very common army, but you don't see you you will see that list or that um. I, I can't actually see each individual list, but mm. when you see the results of a tournament, you'll see it'll be Ossiart Bone Reapers with the Petrifix Elite, and they'll be smattered across the results. Mm. Because you, you're not going to kill them, but Nagash can only be in one place, and if you don't know how to play that, you're mm. going to lose in a and Age of Sigmar, for people that aren't aware, is a primarily a movement and objective-based game, yeah. mm. not a kill-everything possible game. Yeah, which actually is one of the ways, one of the many ways it differs from Fantasy Battle, because Fantasy Battle, mm. every time I played it, it was like... Well, Meet in the middle, smash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, presumably you can just take some horrors and put them on the gash. And I could just, no I could just hear all of the Warhammer Fantasy players screaming at me then. Oh, no, it was... That's fine. It was, all, it was used to play uh, tournaments. I, of it, I so. played a ton of it, and it, it was totally a kill game. Like... Yeah. Um, I mean, ideally, you wouldn't meet in the middle because, I mean, if you were really nasty, you'd play Woodhouse and then you wouldn't have any blocks whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were you were playing in the uh, the MSU era, weren't you? Yes. Uh, I, well, I I was I was doing that with um, Is that fifth with, or sixth? with with vampires, okay. um, and I would do something like I had a handful of ghoul units, a handful of wolf units, and some other things, and I had something like ten deployments before I put something down that was worth more than fifty points. Yeah. So that that was the way that in that era a, a a supposed battle line block unit game was broken by people going well just loads of skirmishes until my opponents run out of units then I yeah. put my dragon down. So yeah. anyway, um, <laughs> okay. So like when when I say like net listing and such is, is isn't like a new thing, um, people will always download. Oh, not download, but you know, find a list and, and use it well, and, and, and make it work. But like, it makes the game staler faster yeah. if you're not careful. So, but, the, but that wasn't really what was happening with the Tsinch list by the sound of things. Well, it was so it was, new was that you too couldn't new. do that. Yeah, so if anyone, who were, who, uh, anyone who already had Zinch had these models because, say, the previous version of the book mm. had a, yeah, the, okay. the change host version, and that was also really good. Okay. Uh, so people already had these models. They might have had to go buy some more, but let's face it, painting that many horrors or other demons isn't particularly hard because of the new contrast paint system. And yeah, horrors are almost designed for contrast paints, really, yeah. aren't they? Because they're not, yeah. not much else other than pink or blue. And then, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, but yeah, I mean, part of the matter is how quickly can you get the latest filth on the table before it's leapfrogged by the next filth? Yeah, so... Okay, but before we get into like meta sort of general stuff, I mean, I, I'm looking through a chat I had with Ol here uh, when we were talking about doing this episode. But uh, I, I refer to it as GW Heat Two, but I presumably that's the, uh, one of the rounds of the GT. I don't, I don't yes, know. sounds like mm. it. Um, but it said five of the top ten uh, were Zinch, um, presumably this sub faction, and every Zinch player uh, was two one or three nil. Um, and bear in mind, like I can't remember what it was, but there was something like a a seventy percent win ratio, win percentage oh, for them. And the that's stats show. That's, from, uh, that's also Warhammer. if you're including the mirror matches. Mirror matches. So <laughs> you're destroying everything. I else. think. I think. Yeah. There's something like the only the only armies which beat this particular take on the list were a different take on the same. List, yes, essentially. So, I mean, that sounds problematic. This is this this is what I mean. Um, so. I mean, tournaments self-select to a degree, so you'll only go to a tournament mm. if you're a tournament gamer. So you can already mm. 
Um, I don't know what the numbers are. I don't think Games Workshop know what the numbers are. But but majority of their players are casual. Hmm, and course, yeah. we'll, ne- we'll never go to a tournament. There's nothing about that. But when you go to a tournament, though, you are self-selecting people who want to win and take yeah, the best stuff. Absolutely, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And I think this is where it's an issue. Yeah, so... So you that that is a... Yeah, if everyone, if everyone has that mindset and we have this wealth of knowledge at our fingertips, then you're going to... Hmm. Yeah, so I'll take that, and they say that that it gives the edge, like for like, of a player, uh, all things being hmm. equal, player over player. Yeah, so it's sort of a, you get to the point where you're encouraged to only run, like it's essentially who's the best at using this zinch list against other zinch lists at a certain point. Well, and it, it doesn't help that it's also, um, well, it's not really a segue. Um, the, the the two books that are released at the same time, Caradron Overlords and Zinch. Yeah. Are at the tail end of um, an incredibly fast release cycle. Yes. So I think they've been released something like fifteen or sixteen books in the space of two less than two years. Yeah. Which is a very high output for any game system. So I mean, my main frame of reference for miniatures games these days is just Bushido, and 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 the, the release schedule for Bushido is incredibly slow compared. And we're talking like worlds apart. Um, I mean, in terms of companies, scale is not really comparable. <laughs> but the thing that, that that strikes me is that GW, when they bring out a book, they're bringing out a whole new faction, effectively every time. Whereas we look at smaller skirmish games, and you're bringing out maybe two models for a faction alongside some models for other factions. So you don't have this massive tidal shift in the meta. But that GW's tied into this release of uh, you know big releases every other month that keeps the shareholders happy sort of situation, and is is that now is the cadence of that the speed of that now such that the competitive community can't really level out before a major event? Uh, well, the, the community is divided on that one, as you can imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, so on. I I heard about some of this stuff on Twitter, and all of I don't play Age of Sigmar so I'm exposed to it through the people I know who do which is you um, but also uh, Darren uh, yes. I think he was a positive victim on, 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 on Twitter uh, possibly the most positive guy when it comes to the tournament scene I know he, he's, he's very he tries to be very optimistic rather than pessimistic about all of it yeah he's always he's always pushing things forward he's never um... yeah and, and I've seen like from the outside, I did look at Age of Sigmar and think, oh, you know, it's a bit... I, I don't like the, the double turn possibility, like the swinginess of that, and um, lots of the mechanics just didn't seem right to me, like, or didn't seem intuitive oh, to I me. I thought exactly the same thing when it first was. Yeah. I thought it was uh, hot garbage at first. And I also was, was concerned that a bit like a lot of 40k in my experience back in the day was, was about your list. But then seeing what Darren has done with some of his lists, where he takes stuff where people are like, you're really, you're taking that? And then he goes and like gets a podium spot off of the back of that. Uh, he sort of swung me around on like, okay, no, there's definitely something there that I just I haven't seen. You know, it's, mm. it's, I think it's an emergent property of the rule set. I think the rule set at inception is is they make some weird choices, but it's now become its own beast and so on. But but Darren was it's the first time I've really seen him post anything negative where he was just feeling like like the, the like it was impossible to keep up with this meta with this cadence of release yeah so um that was his comment about um not wanting to play single events anymore he just wanted to play in team events 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that was it. Okay, so do you understand how the team events work? I don't, so that would help. Oh, sure, right, okay. So, um, in the team event, four players get together and they call themselves a team. Um, And the, roughly, the rules are you can't share a war scroll. Once one player has picked that war scroll, all the other three players in the team can't take it. Um, So there is an alloy system in Age of Sigma, so it's not as simple as saying each person gets a book because they can... You can take things from other books. You have to coordinate and make sure that the thing I want from your book is not something you are going to use. Exactly, right. Um, and then you all uh, you arrive at the event um, and the teams are matched off against each other using a Swiss system or random first round. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Usual sort of tournament yeah. format in that regard. Um, and both teams put a player forward. Uh, I think it's the, they put their list face down, present them, right? You have to face this army, and then both teams also then get to put down two of. They get to look at two lists and present them as okay. the. It's it's really odd to explain. If you do it in practice, it's actually yes, very simple. I think it's similar to the way um, things like the World Team Championship for War Machine stuff works, where you present lists and then the other team responds, and then you go yes. back and forth. So, so picked, do you have a if, table picking phase as well? Or I don't think that... that's as important. Uh, Age Sigma has its own rules yeah. about scenery and boards, but it's not too important okay. in that way. Um, no, War Machine's actually really critical the boards, y- isn't it? Yes, and, and small changes in, in symmetry can, can be quite important because it allows you to yeah. put critical pieces in certain places. L- right. it's, it's a lot less important than ALS yeah, okay. in that regard, then. Um, so these, so um, if one team puts their champion forward, their first list, they then get to pick two face-down lists mm-hmm. opposing them. They can pick which one. Then they're matched off against each other. Okay. The list that's remaining, the friendly team then puts their two lists down. The opposing players mm. pick the one, and until everyone's matched off, and in that way, with a little bit of um, mind games, you hopefully get good matchups. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting layer. Yeah, but it means you can take very niche lists. So the um, yeah the squigglelunch, which is all the big boundy squigs. Yeah, sounds um, like it. It's, you know, I have one, it's done, a, I think the best I've done is four out of five wins, but it's by no, we, no means a good, in sure. terms of meta mm. list. Okay. I mean, if you if you get some luck, it's going to be an easy game. Yeah, it has if some you, really terrible matchups, presumably. And it has some yeah. terrible matchups. Okay. Um, so anyone with magic basically just pushes it into dirt. Okay. Um, but if you're playing in a team event, and, and you, that's you, just the random one you have, and you don't know what you're, what you, the other team's going to put against it. It's a very strong list because you could, if they've only got one magic heavy list, then yeah. you have this trump card that says it's going to smash face. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so that 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 gives you a bit of context to why doubles is where. Oh, sorry, doubles. Team. That's a different teams. one entirely. Yes. yes. Team events are much more his thing for now, um, and there are so many AOS team events. I think there are there have been you know, four or five large ones last year. So I, I really like. There, the there was two at Warhammer side. World. There was another one in Gloucester, I think, and there was a couple of others. So within the, like, the context of this Cinch uh, thing that happened, like, at a team event, would you... I Presumably one player could still just take one of these Cinch lists. Mm-hmm. It's just then but that like, War Scroll has gone. Yes. Okay, so you may find that then at team events you, you're going to have one of those Cinch lists in every, in every team. team. But then it, someone might be able to come up with a very targeted anti Cinch yes. list, which might not work in a regular tournament because it is so focused. Or likewise, you could take a Patsy player 
throw someone under the bus and, effectively yeah, and just hope to win the other three um, games I think the, the, the ETC guy, uh, European Team Championships mm-hmm. uh, for Age of Sigma um, they very much there's an agreed couple of Patsy players whose job it is to be thrown under the bus Okay, so they just they know that they're going to get a weekend of, of terrible matchups. Well, no, they're, 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 they're taking that super niche list, and if you're playing against a team that doesn't have the the thing it's trying to counter, it's like, well, <laughs> you still have a role. Okay, and so it's, it's going to be take the hit, take the hit. So okay. a good, so sorry, so one of the the other players gets their win. No, that's interesting. Yeah, it's about engineering as many super favorable matchup as you can, but at yeah. the expense that probably one of you will have a terrible game because you'll just hmm. be stomped. Okay, no, that's interesting. I, I really like so, the yeah. format. It's very interesting. Mm. Um, so just just those just those two ways of exploring these things then goes off into multiple parts of how to achieve that. Mm. Yeah, I guess. I mean, this is something that seems to have risen to risen in popularity with games like uh, computer games like Dota, with like the ban mechanics and stuff, where you're like you, you've mm. got your game, but then you've got this. Different kind of meta layer on top of that, where you're uh, you're, you're you're doing this like strategic mm. mind game thing. So yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yes. Uh, so that that's that was where his his bit of negativity came from. Yeah, I wouldn't even. Well, it is negative because he's saying he no longer wants to do something he's very passionate about in one particular regard. Oh yeah, I mean like he was still. Not bitching and moaning, he was still positive overall, and um, yeah, should be commended for that. He wrote a really good article about how to play. Uh, I think was it about how to write lists or how to play in tournaments? I forget. I think it was yeah. how to play in tournaments and like a sort of general etiquette and mindset thing. Yes, mostly mindset. I did retweet it. I think as Mastercraft yes. miniatures, uh, so people should read that. It's really cool. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're sort of uh, bumbling about a little bit. Um, I'm not really sure. Where to oh, there's go. so much to explore here. It's not really. A yeah. Bumbling about this is probably the best way because we're not we're not going to get a decisive conclusion at the end. No, of no, this. I don't. I don't it's, think it's that's more the exploring the the topic really. Um, yeah. So, is is there a way that this situation can be avoided in the future? By Absolutely. GW? If okay. you, if you want a perfectly balanced game okay well no you can't <laughs> balance Does doesn't it? exist it no. doesn't exist in yes. chest and it doesn't exist in go and they're as close as you're going to get yeah, yeah. someone's got to go first uh so we i, th- I think what, what was it I, when we were chatting before we actually started recording i said it's maybe not about balance it's about stability stability uh and it, it sounds like when you get this big release which is suddenly overpowered and Perhaps the community doesn't have time to react to it before uh, a main event, and there's no FAQ before that main event. You you'll then have an unsteadiness in the uh, in the meta. Is that fair? Yeah, I I think I think that's going to be inherent to the system, though. It's just the question of scale. Well, yeah, I mean, I think perfect imbalance is kind of what we're what the best they could achieve. Yeah, I. Okay, so I think I don't think any miniatures game producer wants balance. I don't think they should. I mean, this is probably a wider topic, but it's bad balance business. is balance is okay. It's bad for business. The most cynical take is like, well, it, you have to bring out something more powerful each time in order to sell it. But what I really mean, 
is is less cynical, but it's more like balance is a bit boring. And, and that it's not actually mm. that was actually more what I meant was that if you have perfect balance, then you can just kind of just buy whatever, and then you're done. It doesn't sure. have to be more powerful; <clears throat> just have to be interesting. Yeah, but interesting is often achieved by change I, and variation. See, I, I find this very odd because Games Workshop have done both recently in my mind. So we have the 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 runaway success of Zinch, mm-hmm. and yet we have the Ogre book, which everyone has overlooked, and yet has some of the most interesting um, rules mechanics okay. and and playability. Um, and that's what I'm pushing around at the moment. And it's I, I'm not having a bad game with them. Yeah, mm. um, I know I've done reasonably well with them. So why do you think they get overlooked? Is it because they are less uh, guaranteed to to do a certain thing? In if less overtly powerful, I think there's there's definitely two two well some some people on Twitter think there's like five different tiers of Age of Sigma book, and I don't agree with that. Okay. Sure. I think there's 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 obvious clear winners like your uh, the Bone Reapers, Zinch, um, Sonesh. I'm not too sure post nerf with yeah. their FAQs about that one. And then there's and but no other book is bad. And it's almost like if you could take all those other books that aren't as bad and they just had this own little game. <laughs> I I think that uh, reasonably speaking. That would be a very interesting game without these other ones sort of ru- ruining it <laughs> for us mere casuals. So, uh, Blood Bowl as, as a community has sort of accepted there's pretty much three tiers within their game, mm-hmm. uh, and people still have a good time. Now, I don't, I don't know enough about the really competitive scene of Blood Bowl, but there's definitely an agreement where, like, well, some some teams will do really well early in a campaign early in a league mm. or whatever and some will do much better later in a league but of course most events are one off with minor upgrades allowed between uh, rounds potentially yeah or from the beginning or variations so I, I think tiers aren't a bad thing inherently you, you, you hit something interesting there so everyone's about, it's about having fun yeah crazy um, I, I find that interesting because I, I went to uh, Beachhead a couple of weeks ago Hmm. So God knows when that was in relation to when this podcast comes out. Uh, whenever I get time Four to actually process weeks it. weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Um, so I, I, I took Ogres. I ended up playing uh, Bone Reapers with a Nagash with mm-hmm. a two-up re-rollable save. Yeah. Uh, and I had to fight two Fire Slayer armies with two, oh, yeah. two blocks of nylon killable infantry. Um, I had a lot of fun. I didn't have a bad game. Okay. Um, and I think that says a lot more about the community than it does about any rules or yeah, bugs I mean, within a, it. A competitive scene is far more than the like, perceived balance within it. You, know, you should be able to turn up, lose four games or five games and, and still have, have a good time. But it's, it's very easy to go on Twitter and go, it's not worth playing this game anymore. And I have felt like that with other games. I felt like that about Age of Sigma in version one, funny enough, when Zinch came out in the last time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this time around, it just felt, felt a lot healthier, to yeah. be honest. Um, and I think that's more of a community thing though, than a rules thing. My my impression of the community in general, which is, again, ex- I'm exposed to it through you and Darren, mostly on Twitter, is that it actually is a pretty positive place, for the most part. Um, I think, I think that, again, we're all going to go to that self-selection thing. Perhaps, yeah. The community is, is, is a massively important part of, of any uh, competitive scene. I, I find Bushido, for the most part, 
I've really enjoyed the competitive scene. It's so small by comparison, of course. I'm oh, sure. Yeah. A big tournament in the UK is 24 players. Um, I'm, I mean, the, so, the, I, I think that's more impressive, though, than the AOS community. Or is it the other way? I'm not too sure, actually, maybe. Oh, t- uh, describe why. Um, so, in AOS, so I've gone as far north as Nottingham, yeah. and some people will laugh at that. North. <laughs> <laughs> It's north of here. It's definitely north of here. <laughs> get south from here, you get sea. wet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, but I've, I've been uh, all across Wiltshire, Dorset, um, Hampshire, sort of playing in all these different communities. Yeah. Um, and I have had two bad games of AOS in four years. Well, that's pretty good. And I, I, I have theories of why it's a good and healthy community. Um, I don't think it's, this is probably not the place to discuss that. <laughs> yeah, um, there's some things that we, yeah, maybe we don't air because you don't want to call people out too much. But um, but then from my from my 40k days, I again would travel the same sort of area. Yeah, and looking back on it, I did not enjoy many of those. Yeah, I, I do remember having a lot of quite negative games. Um, people were often impolite and, and overly competitive. Although actually. The person who was, you remember the world rankings thing that was going on for a while? Yes, yes. The person I played who was the highest ranked person I ever played absolutely destroyed me and was lovely about it mm. and taught me some etiquette that I hadn't been aware of before. So when you're rolling a bucket of dice, the dice you remove from the table are the failures. Yes, yes. So you apparently can check. Yeah, so you're not moving quicker than they can count. Um, when you're rolling eighty dice at a time, which hadn't occurred to me because I'm not a scumbag, but like so, uh, uh, so he taught me that like oh well, that that's a way of showing that you're uh, acting in good faith here. So um, I had a positive experience with him, but I think it was actually a lot of people who weren't actually that competitive who yes, I had who I struggled I, with. I think I'm, without getting into it too much, I think 40k is the entry point for a lot of tabletop war games, and therefore the players there are more. Very naive about uh, etiquette. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, I would say, as a general rule, the top echelons of tournament players are very nice and very polite because they, they do yeah. it a lot. Yeah. As, a, as a general, that's, as, that's, that's as been, a general, as a general yeah, rule, okay. that's that's been my experience. Yeah. I mean, okay. This is all um, there. There, there are there are exceptions. I can think of experience. There's no yeah. hard data. Hmm. So I, anecdotal. There we go. Anecdotal. Yeah, that's a word. So I think also forty k, and I don't want to assassinate forty k. I grew up with it. I love it in a way. Don't just don't play it anymore. Uh, I think it has a mechanical problem, which can lead to people uh, being a bit shittier because in in a game where the person who goes first, if they've got a lot of shooting that they can apply in the right place. First, the Kim mm. might be over before you get well, to you, do you could lose 25% of, of your army, you know, real quick, especially if it's uh, like using flame weapons or perhaps on a teleporting, you know, grey knight thing, um, which then isn't targeting a single unit but can actually just burn multiple units. Um, I think that was, that was definitely, definitely more from experience. This I'm, that was, I'm having fla- flashback to second edition now. But if, if if you if you find yourself, I, I in think a... the eighth edition players are laughing that someone thought Grey Knights were competitive. Uh, <laughs> well, against the Guardian Guardian Elder, they were. Uh, uh, we're we're going back point. a few editions. So, <laughs> anyway, don't worry about this bit. But the, the core <laughs> showing our age here. <laughs> yeah, the core mechanical problem I think there is that it's I get to do all my stuff, you get to do all your stuff, 
and all my stuff has the potential of removing 25% of your stuff before you have had the chance to do anything with it, which as a source of frustration is probably unparalleled in, in wargaming other than perhaps a warcaster kill in War Machine, because you didn't know that that person with a synergy there can, can, can actually hit you from twenty-one inches away. Yeah, you thought their threat range was fifteen, but you know, uh, yes, forty k has a massive scaling problem. And so you, you, I, I can understand people then getting frustrated, and when you get frustrated, you get niggly about stuff. Like, what was that? Was that a six? Because you removed it awful quick, and you start getting those little things where a bit mm. of distrust might start to build, and I don't know, I. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a combination of probably what you said and what I'm thinking about here. But oh, it's it and, and, and hundreds of other things. And I'm speaking as someone yeah. who has not been involved in that community for what is it? It's, it's, it's 2020 now. Oh my lord! It's I'll, been a while. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's probably like sixth edition. So, look, looking, well, I haven't been to a 40k tournament, but I've been in the same venues of 40k tournaments. Mm. And looking up from sort of tables around where everyone's having a bit of a laugh and a joke, and looking across at the 40k players and. It must be a very narrative game because everyone's very grim. <laughs> and I'll let that talk for itself. <laughs> nice. Well done. Um, yeah. I'm meant to be going to, potentially going to the uh, the London GT. Oh. Because uh, they've offered me a stand there. So as someone who doesn't really play 40k, but... Uh, well, that would be a very big one. Pays his mortgage by selling shoulder pads to people who do play 40k. I put the models together still and paint them every now and then. Just you know, um, I do find it funny sometimes that I earn a good part of my living from that. Yet I'm not actually really in the scene anymore. But hey, I like cool things and space marines well, cool. I'm, I'm just always I, if the rule set tightens up a little, changes in important ways, I will go back to it because I've run out of Age of Sigmar models to paint. Um, <laughs> and it was quite nice to go and see these new 40k sculpts, but currently just spending half an hour putting my toys on the table, then spending 15 minutes taking them back off again. Before you've made any meaningful choices. Indeed. Yeah, um, that's my I, I rolled a dice for first turn. That was my meaningful impact on this game. I will arbitrarily lose yeah, that's, half that's, of my game. That's games. unfortunate. If I'm playing someone of equal ability, let's Yeah. Um, that's how I feel about the game. But um, hopefully... If if, if old games workshop habits are anything to go by, Apocalypse is always the precursor of the next edition. <laughs> um, I haven't I haven't really seen much about the Apocalypse rule set. Uh, it's epic, not as in epic, but epic forty k. Thanks for square waving. Oh. I'm gonna have to go and find that now. What's that? Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, which edition of Epic? <laughs> this is critical. Oh, it's been a while since I played, but um, yeah, basically, um, everyone everyone gets to move, everyone gets to shoot, and but you only take models off at the end. Well, in fact, oh, okay. interesting. More, more fundamentally, you get saves after you've fired everything. So yet you might have killed the big thing. It might pass all its saves. So we actually talked about a game I game mechanic idea I had, mm. uh, which was based around. You don't remove any models until the end of the turn. Uh, uh, you know, everyone has done everything, and you were like, "Yeah, but well, what if you made your armor saves at the end, or your maybe it's a morale check or whatever? You make some kind of check right at the end, so then you've got an uncertainty about whether it goes or not. So it sounds like it's basically That's that. Sounds actually potentially quite interesting. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think so because we're always modeling. I'm somewhat biased on this argument. So. <laughs> we're always modeling something which is constantly going on uh, you know things yeah, have stopped it, and it's 
Yeah. Uh, so it makes some sense. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that that I think your dice rolls would almost become inconsequential at that point until you take those saves and those morale tests, mm. Mm. Um, which is a very exciting game, I think. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I. I... I, l- I like new rule sets. I'd like to have it's, a look oh, at the rules. It's, it's another it? way of introducing that fog of war that board, well, ta- um, tabletop war games lose. Yeah. Yes. I yeah, like. there are many solutions for, for introducing uncertainty about uh, what is where uh, yes. in board war, games. Warmaster's but... Orders yeah. Yeah. Uh, was very good. Well, obviously, that's Black Powder now, I think. It's the latest incarnation Something of that. Something like that, yeah. Is it? I think, yes, I think so, yeah. Um, I did like that mechanic. I never really played. I only played a game or two of it. Mm. I did like that. Um, and I mean, I, used I never to, played it actually. But I used to play Epic as well. Yeah. Um, which sort of does something similar, but it also has blast markers and suppression and all sorts of stuff. Mm. Yeah, it was that era of specialist games where like everything's going to have blast markers. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it was Battlefield, Gothic, and Epic. That's everything. Um, it worked really well. Stuff. It worked really well in those games. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, these days Epic is run effectively by a group of players. Yeah. Yeah, I did start getting, I mean, we played a game about three years ago, I think, mm. where I, I started getting back into it um, with my Orcs. But yeah, there's, there's, there's too many <laughs> games, not that T- time. Turns out we have a lot of games. Oh, yeah. Uh, not me, but <laughs> yeah, you sure? No, you, you, have, you, have, you have a lot of armies for few games. We so tell yeah. me how many armies do you have for Age of Sigma? Well, painted, fully oh. painted armies, fully painted armies, painted rooms. Um, I want to say eleven. Pretty <laughs> yeah. oh, good. Yeah, and you've not sold that. a few, I'm sure. Two. Oh, I've only sold oh, two. I've only sold two. Yeah, I know that you would you would often sell forty k armies that you'd uh, that you painted up. Yeah, that's all gone now. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You, you you don't seem to be. So a lot of hobbyists are very uh, oh god, what's the word? Sentimental. Sentimental about the miniatures that they paint. I mean, Christ, I'm sentimental about the ideas that I have for the miniatures I've bought. <laughs> uh, so I can't get rid of some of them. You I'm... don't seem to have that. And I think this is probably part of this other topic that we want to talk to you about another I, day. But I've a, is it pragmatism? Mm. Yeah, sure. Um, We've only got it, so much display space. Well, it's like, with the the rollout process of Age of Sigma, I I don't ever want to be left behind. So I, I like playing in tournaments. I yeah. want to be able to stand a chance, and and the only reasonable way I can see around that is to have a little bit of everything. Or an older army of something, and then I can always add to that. So to this, make it a, oh, this ma- is a lovely segue. We managed back to cycle to back to what we actually wanted to talk well about. Well done, Tony. <laughs> so th- that that is a segue back to the speed of releases, mm, and yes. that's one way of dealing with it. Is that you've got a decent I, spread? I wouldn't recommend it. I oh. have I have built an outbuilding. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. I, I it survived two storms now. I'm very happy. Mate, mate. Oh, <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> well, considering the gap on one part of the roof, I'm surprised. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, th- th- there's no way I'm ever going to manage to even paint one army for Age of Sigma at this rate. But so, yeah, like, so you've got you've got a game which well, like is one of my armies has more than all the Bushido faction models. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But the thing, the thing about Bushido is people go, okay, this is my faction. Well, what about that faction? And then you end up with multiple factions anyway. Sure. Um, yeah, I, is keeping up with releases 
from a competitive standpoint. Because obviously, if we just look at casual, it doesn't matter. You just, I like this thing because it's fun, most, whatever. Most of these things sort of go out of the window if you're just like, well, we're just casual and we kind of just do what we want at our own pace. Yeah, then, not, is... most, then most of these things don't really matter. Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of casual AOS players down the club and I wouldn't dream of, apart from that couple of times I did do this, <laughs> uh, of taking a tournament list um you've got there, there was a time where i unfortunately had to because i needed to get practicing but that was more for me to get my mechanics down than about stomping them into dirt yeah I, well i mean this is this that is happened a, inevitably but i tried not to like be mean them about, up about it, yeah. it. <laughs> this this is this is like another uh topic almost again where, where the the social contract in wargaming like specific to wargaming is like know what game you've both turned up for yeah so mm. i have been caught short on that one I think but, we all have. It's, it's like anything, any social interaction, it, you have to learn it over time mm. um, and perhaps be uh, humble about learning that and know you've mm. recognised when you've messed up and the person opposite you has had no fun. Or you've had no fun because you you know, didn't read the situation I, right. I mean, yeah, uh, mm. weirdly that works in a sort of other way. So if you have turned up with your ultimate smash face list and you have pile-drived the new guy into the floor... Um, I don't know what you get out of that. Some people do it quite routinely, and all I see them. We've do, all and, heard stories about this as well. Having been on the receiving end of that, it just means I'm not going back here. And if I'm coming back here, I'm not playing you again. Yeah, it's super, and, I mean, and the person who does it don't learn anything. No. Yeah, I see. I I don't I don't know what they get out of it. I mean, to a degree, superiority. Yes, um, you are the you are the biggest fish in this very small pond. Please go play in a tournament and see how long that lasts. Mm. Yeah, it is unfortunate. You're right. Mostly, the solution to this tends to be, well, I just will be busy if you're after a game, which is really I, unfortunate. I, I I came from a very, very bad community, mm. um, where I actually I agreed to play someone, uh, and then afterwards found out what they were using, and it's like, you know what, I'm not even going to turn up. I let them know. Mm. Sorry, I'm just. I know I'm, what you're going to put on the board. Yeah. No. Well, what's wrong with it? It's a it's a tournament legal list. It can be. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> but I'm not driving down here to set my models up to take them back off the board again. Yeah, especially when you've got a commute for it as well. I yeah. Mean, I I do occasionally see on the uh, our Facebook group for the club, people say, "Oh, you know, uh, I I am looking for a game of 40k, Age Sigma, whatever it is." Uh, I want to practice my tournament list. And I think more people need to think about putting that in. I, I have tried to do that. If I Well, just because I'm taking a tournament list doesn't mean it's going to win a tournament. So my ogres, no. I think, are okay to play casually. Hmm. My plague monks were not. Hence why I said I'm practicing for a tournament. tournament. Hmm. But I don't say that when I'm using a... I don't think you necessarily list. always have to say it. Because it's dependent on what you're taking. But if you do say it, I think the then people are like, okay, I know what to expect. Yeah. I think the default state should be, I'm after a fun casual game. Because in the end, if you're asking for games for people from people you don't know, that has to that has to be our default standpoint that we two strangers are gonna turn up and try and have fun. And the trouble is something oh, people have different definitions of fun. Sometimes someone's definition of fun is pile driving someone else. But then that's not going to be fun for the other person. So the, your default position should be, we want both people to have fun. It's different if you all know one another. It's different if you go to a tournament. It's different if you're practicing for a tournament and flag it. I just, yeah, I, 
I think it's a really difficult uh, thing to figure out. Especially because people's starting points might not be the same. Because yeah, my starting point would never be something <clears throat> casual. Like, I don't play many tournaments, and I don't really do, like, ex- excessive lists, but I do try to bring something I think will be will be good within the framework of what I want to do. But yeah, I mean, actually, I think our default position with Bushido is is fairly competitive. Yeah. Because we all play at tournaments. Mm. There's not many... I don't think there's any Bushido players at the club who who don't go to the tournaments. Not who mm. play regularly. Yeah, I mean, a couple of them moved away and so on like that. Um, but then, like we, you and I played Ages, uh, Ages <laughs> Arena Rex, Arena Rex on uh, on Tuesday, <laughs> and we were making up the scenario as we were going along, and yeah. we were competitive, but we were also figuring out a scenario, agreeing it together, yes. and that's because we know each other really well, and we played a lot of games with one another. So we yeah, were we, still, we, we were competitive, we sort of but... un- unconsciously pitch it at. This is the level we're both looking for. Yeah, and at one point we we decided to change the scenario because I was like, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about this model I've got because its movement's so ridiculous. That... Yeah, it might just it might just win. Yeah, so yeah, everyone's definition of of, of, of casual yeah. and competitive is different as well, I guess. I mean, and another spin I've gonna put on this is again having so many armies is I quite regularly if I've not played someone before I have an A and B list. Mm. If yeah. I've if I've <clears throat> If it's not entirely sure, if they're new to the club, um, oh, one game. Oh, so what kind of game are you after? Oh, you know, just push two K around. Went okay. So not really told me much about. You, we've agreed by 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 saying I want to play two K. You you have said you're playing match play in Age of Sigma. So yes. It's, so it's not open. It's not narrative. There's there's an agreed points limit. Mm. Default now, we're on match play, which means tournament. <laughs> That does it? I yeah. So yeah. my counter but, to that, I'll, I'll get back yeah. to it in a second. No, I think you know what you're going to say is, but match play is the easiest way to do a pick up and play game. Yeah, because mm. you you are agreeing to a defined it's common rules language. of engagement. Yes. If you go, oh, let's play narrative play. Someone else, someone's <laughs> narrative might be, well, you're going to cry. <laughs> well, also, and I love winning. Your this is a great narrative. Also, <laughs> it's it's a much longer conversation where you both yeah. have to agree on a whole bunch of things oh, before yeah. you can do it. It's much harder to do. Yeah, I, I do find the idea of having like non-matched play even defined slightly odd because it's sort of like we're going to define this category of playing where essentially it's unrestricted. I'm like, well, you don't need to define that for me. If I want to work outside of the you, the rules within the rule book. Mm. I'll do that. It doesn't matter. So it's, in, it's interesting. The community has split again. All these things. So now there's a a marit- uh, narrative matched play. Okay. Sort of um, concept, and it's actually quite successful. Okay. Um, so the the I, campaign yeah. weekends at Warhammer World, mm. you will turn up with a defined army list, and then narrative stuff will happen to it. Malifaux, but you will play competitively yeah. within that. Semi-competitive. Ma- Mal- so Mal- scenarios won't thing. all okay. be perfect. Uh, so I played one called the Battle of the Midnight Tomb back in October or November, and the end of the the final mission was pretty much get a character to centre of the board, you win on the four plus. Okay. Give or take. Yeah. And but it didn't really matter because it wasn't a trophy for most wins or anything mm. like that. Well, but they I- were other than that last scenario, they were all very very well designed. I would happily play them in a tournament. I think you are going to then have another self-selection thing going on where someone goes, I'm going to a narrative weekend. So, well, yes, it... I might take some stuff which works well together, but maybe people are slightly more informed by background 
and also well, not there just to win, but to see what cool shit well, happens. It was interesting because there were a lot of narr- the narrative guys, the Neos, hmm. turned up, and then there were a lot of match play guys who turned up, and there was an, there was more than enough common ground for everyone to have fun. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Um, so I I think frameworks like. Rules of engagement, I think, are really important. Like, put, create a couple of pigeonholes. Go, we're going hard match play. We're going maybe a bit of narrative, but within the match play selection requirements. And then you've kind of got the free for all. But for me, the free for all thing is, like all says, it's a longer conversation. Mm. If Ol and I agreed to do, like, oh, let's just play a game of, I think Shido would be a terrible choice for this because of the way I approach it, but. Like, let's just think about playing this game in a certain way and not worry about the rice costs or what's going on. Then we would be able to figure that out because we know each other quite well. Yes. You can't just go, oh, I'm signing up to this event and I'm going to take whatever the hell I like. Because then the person running that event, well, how they can't even be running that event. The, the running it extends to think... booking the table or the, uh, tables and, and, and keeping a list of who's turning up because there's no framework. No. I mean, there's not even a toolkit. Mm, yeah, yeah, and this is why I say, look, if you if you want to play uh, narrative, or whatever it is, like, which is essentially saying all of the stuff in these books about selection of armies and so on is is optional. Like, well, why are you making a rule book? Like, the, the, the sort of the, the rule book is there to provide a common rules of engagement. Well, I'm, I've had this argument with um, some other friends. Um, <laughs> Yes, I think you know who I mean. <laughs> you don't have to use the errata. That's only for match play. But it doesn't say that on the front page of the errata. Well, it's, it's only there for match play. It doesn't say that anywhere. I mean, if you're going to say open play, you don't have to use it, then I don't have to use the rule book. Well, th- this this is my point. <laughs> uh, so where do we... Anyway, that was a whole thing. <laughs> Very yeah, very you, strange conversation. You have to have... What, the, you what have counts to have these... and counts does not count yeah, as a rule. Well, and... I mean, at that point, you sort of opened up everything to. Oh well, I don't like um, I don't like this rule of the rule book, so I'm just going to ignore it for this game because we've agreed to do open play. Yeah, that's just weird. I I feel that like if yeah. the the rule book is there, is it's it's your it's your bible for playing this game. It's your common reference because otherwise, there's oh, so it? much up for grabs that yeah. it becomes really hard to play a common game. And like house I ruling think, it is fine. You stay within yes, your little community fine. and you and you house rule it and that's fine. But the second that anyone comes in from outside or you go to another place, mm-hmm. you have to have a different set of rules that you are agreeing to before you go there. I, so I, I, I think yeah. where open play has its biggest strength is getting new people into the hobby. Mm. Does this feel right? Yes, let's just do that. Does it matter? We've got it exactly right. No. Well, like as an ex-GW staffer... <laughs> Oh, okay, 30 children all bringing along whatever they own on a Sunday and putting it on a big table in the middle and we have a big dust-up. Like, that's what you're talking about there. Yes. Except I then become the arbiter of that situation. And if things start to go a bit awry, I'm on the outside of it and I can say, oh, God, I can't believe that your one squad of bikes that you bought, 11-year-old, on your birthday, uh, died turn one to that thing. Well, I guess there's another unit of bikes that are going to come on from the flank this time, and like you create the narrative mm. because you're there directing a thing Making so that sure everyone's everyone having has fun. fun. Um, yeah, so that that's where I think that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to A and B armies. Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to approach it. I I don't know. 
I think you can have A and B armies, and you can also have A and B uh, approaches to using your army. So you yes. can be like, well, I, I know what I should do right now. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to do something slightly different. Well, yeah, um, I think it mostly, for me, depended on what my opponent was like. So I, it, it was a, a bit of a thing for people to turn up new to club. Oh, I haven't really played before. I'll go look at your list. Oh, this is clearly clearly taken from the internet. And then maybe B list would come out. <laughs> Whereas if it was genuinely a new guy, it would be list A. I think it's important actually for players to share their lists before games generally. Mm. I, I like that. Bushido is basically everything is, is open uh, open knowledge. Yeah, so that's that's why all GW games have gone now. So yeah. gone are the days where fanatics would be hidden in units on your army list. Oh, secret magic items, things yes, like that. Yes, that was a thing, yes. yes I do was. like there being some surprises, but they need to be things which aren't too swingy. Bushido uh, does have a couple of hidden... So none of the things Games Workshop used to keep hidden, then? Well, of course not, no. <laughs> um... Because some of those things could be like, oh. And now, now, now you get into the discussion of what is and is not hidden. Yeah. Um, I think basically. So, like, do you do you explain what your army does and what the trick is? Well, no. You say what you've got, oh, this and is if they so ask what the rules for that are, then you can tell them. But you shouldn't necessarily feel obliged to point out synergies. So it's it's become habit in AOS to exp- the first fifteen to twenty minutes after you've got your beer and you're late to the table mm. um, is explaining what your army does, and that that's not a thing in. 40k certainly and I don't know about no so if you take well this this my experience my, my general has this trait and you can just say the it what the name of it um nice drop of the red stuff oh so what does that mean oh that means I get instead of piling in three inches in the fight phase I get to pile in six. Oh, well that doesn't seem very strong well Funny you should say that. <laughs> Funny you should say that. If I complete a charge move and there are no enemy models in three inches because another unit's killed them all, they still get to pile in six inches. Yeah. And when mm. you say that and people go... Yeah. yeah. So you're so, saying, this is what I'm going to try to do to you. You're going to tell me what you're going to try to do to me and let's 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 do it. That's interesting because I've not experienced that um, at any competitive so events I've been to. So sort of has... It's not quite the same, but the way the new one works is you basically structure around keywords, keywords, mm-hmm. and each keyword will share a set of common rules between the models, really. So a crew will have a thing it does, yeah, and it'll be fairly quick to explain because it'll be a couple of specific things, generally, but that's sort of what the done to it's sort of the same thing. You don't necessarily have to explain everything, but you're, you're like, okay, my crew generally do this thing. Yeah. Be aware of that. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think, like with with Bushido, uh, it just, I, I, I don't think there is that because you go, oh, I'm running this theme, here are the rules of this theme mm. and, and that will mean the person will go, I, okay, I know you can do a thing but it doesn't, a, a theme doesn't generally I, describe the entire tactics. I don't, I don't, I don't think the rules are wild enough in Bushido. Perhaps not. For it to be a requirement. You can do some pretty uh, scary stuff, but... Uh. By and large, I think it's... The, the performance envelope of things are smaller. Yeah, maybe. So, so you don't have as many wild things where you go like, oh my god, this is completely outside of what 
other people can do. I, I just yeah. didn't see and it coming. scenarios are so important. Like you, you say, uh, Age of Sigmar is uh, about manoeuvring and uh, doing your scenario. Yes. Bushido is, is absolutely the same. Like From from what I've seen, it's, yeah, not it's very about, similar. It's not of. about killing. No. And I think that's one of the mistakes that people often make when they come to Bushido. It's like, oh, I can't kill that thing with this thing. Well, then don't. Go, They're the same rice cost. That That's fine. Tell you what, why don't you take two models at half the rice cost and tie that other guy up for the rest of the game and then get on with what you want to do? And you need to change the way you think about it. And, and oh, I always found with and... 40k, it was like I need to just wipe things out and then I can get on with the whatever the scenario Well, un- un- until uh, chapter approved 2018 in 8th edition, like wiping your opponent out was a valid way of winning. Yeah. Because mm. that, was, that, was that was an end state of the game. If you tabled your opponent... You won. You won. Bushido. That's a a terrible game design. At the end of a turn, (laughs) when uh, someone has no models left, the the game ends. ends, You don't score any VPs that are up. There's three VPs available in Bushido. Ah, yes, you explained it. So you don't. You if if you've only scored one of them and the game ends like at turn three because you've wiped your opponent, then you don't score the last two VPs. And some people are like, "Oh, this is stupid." You're like, "It may feel slightly artificial." But everything is an abstraction in our Mm. war game anyway, so maybe get over that. But it means that then it allows the design space to be greater than just like how good at killing a thing are you? Because even then, manoeuvrability just becomes about killing a thing. Because if if you don't need to engage with the getting onto objectives and the traffic jam you might have to negotiate, if you can just wipe models out, it's 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 just dull, isn't it? Oh, it's always going to swing things in your favour. And you do get weird situations where there's one model left on the board. And because I'm in, in a tournament, if Ol has scored one victory point and I've got one model left... I don't want to kill his last model. No, but I will be doing my best for my model to die so that I can limit his tournament points. Because Which is weird, but sure. It is weird, but it's, it's all weird. It's, it's just a, another <laughs> aspect of the rules, and most rule sets, when you get down to it, do weird things. And that is mm. an emergent property, not just of the way that uh, the game ends in Machido and the scoring of VPs, but the scoring of tournament yes, players. Yes, it's, it's, it's a fact. It's, that's a, an aspect of tournament play, yeah. because in a non-tournament game, it will not matter. If you 3-0 me, you score 9 points and I score none. If you 1-0 me, you score... Six points and I score four, Something I think. Like that. So it actually becomes really important to limit your opponent's success yeah. in that way. So uh, it's a uh, really so weird edge case. But um, For the 40k tournament I'm running next month, yeah, I've introduced a scoring mechanic based on the turn you reach. Okay. Mm. So if you reach, so you get five points for a major win, as dictated by the scenario. Yeah. But you also get five bonus points from getting to the end of round five. Okay. Um, Decentivizing the whole massive alpha strike, and you've lost already. Initial, and when those were the only missions available, mm. that's what it was there for. Um, but the the new missions, forty k, all all don't have that. That rule got removed. Like if all your models are taken off, you still play the game out, and you can lose if you have just tabled your opponent and not scored anything, but your opponent scored early on. Yeah. So, but I've left it in there because there's an interesting gamesmanship mechanic going on where you can score really early early on so round two mm-hmm. and get a massive points advantage then just go to go get a beer go to loo you know wind the game yeah. down wind the game down oh mate we've only got half hour left we're not going to get another complete round in let's just stop, guess yeah. off one so so that mechanic's still there so uh both players get the opportunity to go you can you the the 
it looks hard and fast as if you don't reach in the round two, you're not getting the full points. And that's both players. Mm. But there's nothing stopping players agreeing at the end of the game, well, all right, you would have won at the end of round five. And they can both tick. They finished on get on turn five. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy for them to do that. But what it allows is the player who feels disadvantaged, possibly, he can just score, finish round two. What do you think happened? Well, I would have won if we'd had another turn. Mm. Okay, well, he thinks that. You think you would have won because you scored early on and mucked around. So guess what? No extra points for you. Yeah. Uh, most people I've explained it to, I think that's a very good thing for the game. Um, it's worth I a try, had, isn't it? Yeah. I've, I've done it for t- this is the third year I've tried it. Um, no one has scored each other and not completing round five. Good. So it's, it's entirely in the players' hands if they're happy. Mm. They, they might feel pressurised by their opponent to say, well, I would have won anyway, but ultimately it's their choice. They don't have to... You can only govern so much of, of a social interaction yeah. between strangers. And like, it's, it's, the, it's the only sportsmanship, which I feel strongly about, um, it's the only sportsmanship score, essentially, in the rules pack. Okay. Yeah, sportsmanship scores have always been a little odd. Yeah. What I will say, like, Bushido at tournaments, while I was saying, like, oh, if I'm down to one model, I'm going to try and get that model killed in order to limit my opponent's score. If we time out, if we run out of time for the game, which does happen fair often, fairly often in Bushido. Mm. Hands on the player. I am very... <laughs> to me, it happens literally every game. Uh, I um, I will be happy to extrapolate uh, what would have happened. Um, are you likely to have won that? If we've got the time, I'll try and string it out and, and screw you over within that, that framework. But if we run out of time, no, I, I actually will just... Absolutely, will be like, mm. oh no, you totally would have 3-0 me. We're done. So... I mean, that's that's another sportsmanship type thing. Um, a lot of rules packs still have a concede disadvantage. That's really odd to me. That's still a thing, because I, I know, again, coming from the GW side, um, most of their rules packs say if you if you concede, you, you lose everything. And you get a dis- you get also get... So they might even score... This, you know, I might be going back a few years, but a, you used to get one point for a major loss mm. and zero for a concede. So it, if you conceded any games, you would come lower than someone who'd lost all games. It's a very strange like, thing to codify because... But it's like, if you're not having a fun game and you know you've lost by the end of round two and you know what, you just want to get to the bar. I can see situations where you could like concede out of... like You know, you throw your models on the floor, concede, flip the table. But That's, I think that is the minority of... of, of Concessions. Yeah. Con- mm. Yes. So is that the word. Yes. So in a, in, in AOS. <laughs> Thank you, person whose English isn't native <laughs> language. Um, so in AOS, it's very possible by the end of round three to get a runaway success. Yeah. So there is no way your opponent can catch up to your score. Yeah. So do, why bother playing two more rounds if you've already won at that stage? Especially if you have a really long day where you're playing a bunch of games. Well, you're going to want a break. You've got a weekend normally with well, GW games. Yeah. So I think, so, yeah, it's important to, to so, be able to go, we can have a little bit more downtime. We've resolved what's going to happen. We've both enjoyed it, hopefully. So there, there's a couple of caveats on that. So some some tournaments also have a, how much you've killed as a tiebreaker situation, in which case, yes, it's worth carrying on. Or there's uh, hidden agendas, which are secret missions you have to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be worth carrying on for those reasons. But again, a lot of those are sort of concluded by round three. Sure. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, arbitrarily, yes, you have already won the game. What's the point in carrying on? There are a few little things. But sometimes, that's it, you're done. I, you've... Think, it, I think it should be fine for a game to end early 
yeah, I, I, I think it's sort of very artificial to to prevent that. I mean, so we when we were playing a uh, Arena Rex, yeah, like Arena Rex doesn't have a conventional turn structure, so you can't actually limit. The, you can't say, oh, at the end of turn six, the game ends either way. Right. It, 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 that, it literally doesn't have turns. Yeah. You you have alternating you do have alternating turns and in your turn you get to activate a model uh, oh, yeah, up yes. to essentially three times sort and then of it's fatigued. during that yeah. your opponent mm. can react to that thing what you're doing once but that's your turn you go back and forth and every time at the beginning of every turn you are removing uh, a point of fatigue if a model only has one you can't activate them in that turn but you can activate a different model so it's this rolling turn taking of activations mm. but you don't have you don't have the turn has ended. Now we reset stuff. Other than there's a sort of there's a thing called a clear turn, but they're so variable in their regularity that you can't then restrict the game, uh, the game's duration hmm. based on that. You have to restrict it in some other way. I mean, you potentially never have a clear turn depending on how you play. You, yes. you don't. You, you can play an entire game without ha- reaching that state at all. Whereas Paul's Moratori faction want wants to, to get do it clear all the turn time. as often as they can because they do horrible things during the clear turn. So, yeah, mm. that, I mean that game by its very nature, we've not run a tournament. I'd quite like to if we can get the players to do it at some point. Yeah, because how do you how do you keep a time? You, you can have a time limit, of course. You have to have a time limit because you're trying to get four games in in a day or whatever. Mm. But how do you define when it needs to just end? And the default scenario is just like, well, when someone runs out of models, but that's a bit dull. Uh, so we, we did actually when you just reach a score of victory yeah. points and we were scoring victory points based on a thing mm. we came up with. But I yeah, I, I think the old the six turn structure that we've had for so long well, it's not it shouldn't be the only way. Mm. Well, I mm. mean, you have... Um, War Machine is a good example of that because it has three ways of ending the game. Yeah. Um, you can run out of time. Yeah. You can win by scenario, which these days equates to getting a certain number of scenario points more than your opponent. I think you have to get six more and then you win. Okay. It used to be you needed to get six in total or something, okay. like, or five in total or something. I've actually won a running enough against a 40k player. Okay. I think he hadn't played War Machine very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won in the top of his, at the end of his turn two or something, at the end of my turn two. With no dice rolling having happened in the game at all. <laughs> oh, okay. He d- didn't advance on the that's, objectives. I did. That's oh. like when Tony played uh, Flames of War and at the end of one of the turns just moved one of his units with, what is it, the Blitzkrieg mechanic? You just moved it off the objective and then yes. your opponent went, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and that's why you should not use random pieces of scenery as objective markers. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's yeah, my excuse to this day is yeah. I thought it was a bit of scenery <laughs> yeah I or, love that. or you can kill the warcaster and cast a kill in, yeah. in, in any of these three situations the game ends hmm. I think the most punishing one is the last because if you for casual play as mm. I discussed earlier yeah. because you just sometimes you don't know the, the shenanigans that yeah. can be combined together it's an in interesting catch up mechanic though because frequently caster kills happen when mm. I'm going to lose anyway, so I might as well go all out. Go all out on this total hail mary yeah. attempt at winning. Well, that's that's how it will work really well in like competitive play or where, when casual players have played a lot. Mm. But for newbies, obviously, it's really oh, savage. for newbies, it's just like oh, I have this core piece. I wanted to, I'm in the middle and do stuff. Oh, the <laughs> game is already over. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Well, certainly when played it in this area, there was no casual scene for War Machine. It's not a great casual game, I don't think. I think it's pretty tough. I used to play it once a week with my friend Paul, 
and he was my own like he would just come up to my house and my mm. flat in, in Chichester and uh, we'd just we'd play a game we both knew what each other had mm. within like we were selecting from yeah. a pool of models but we knew what each other had and that was casual and that was fine um, but yeah as a, as a bigger group I don't think it's a great casual game mm. no so just because of the way the meta and the restructure works yeah um, yeah, I where it, it I sort of drives the you have like as we had with the, the themes list you have new things that comes out and some things will be very powerful for a period of time War Machine is quite good at rattling and changing stuff mm. um, but you also then just have like new stuff coming out which might prey on the previous powerful list or people come up with okay well we know we're going to see this I need to bring these things that can smash it but you also bring you also bring multiple lists yes yeah I actually like that as a game mechanic, mm. as, a, as a match play. So, mechanic. I mean, no GW game, to my knowledge, has a sideboard mechanic. I've run tournaments for has GW it? games no. that's done it, but, but that's me. Yeah. I, I know strategy, uh, Lord of Rings, sorry, Middle Earth strategy battle game now. Yeah. You take uh, an evil and a good list. Oh, interesting. Is, yeah, because you can't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no game, you can't have good on good and evil on evil, yeah. but I mean, that would totally happen. Running, but, running tournaments in that must be interesting. For that, or a headache. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Not really into the the tournament scene of that. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting way of doing things. I, Arbitrarily, like you may not get what you're strongest at. Yeah. Because inherently, you will be better at one list than the other. Well, all yeah. and I have talked with Bushido. How there's a bunch of themes in Bushido, and they they change what you can take and the benefits that you get in order to sort of make up for the weaknesses that you are uh, conceding because you can't take a certain type of model or whatever. But we've agreed on multiple occasions that like the most powerful theme probably is the one where you can take a sideboard, where you can take uh, like thirty percent of your points again, and you can swap those in as you, as you need mm. per game. But it's... it requires you to have such depth of knowledge of how you're going to play that list, how what your opponent is taking, and you have to make that decision quickly. I mean, you've got like five minutes, but that's still. Mm. I think it's especially because it allows you to bring... There are niche models that are very good at few things. And then you have event cards, which are effectively like generally one new special rules. Mm. Um, and being able to pick the ones you need for this matchup can be very strong. I wonder if that actually might be some sort of solution to the meta problems that we've seen in Age of Sigmar recently. If you were to approach it from like, well, you have either you have your A and your B there lists. are certainly or a sideboard mechanics. There's something similar because of the summoning mechanics. Yeah. In sure. version two. So in version one you had to pay for your summoning. In version two it's free with caveat. So if you're coordinate <coughs> then it's however many models uh, units, sorry, you've killed mm -hmm. um, will allow you to summon, obviously. Scale. So eight gets your blood for eight dead units, either side gets your blood first up. Right yep. down to ten blood letters is two points. Okay. Mm. Um, Slanesh is every wound suffered by one of your heroes or done to an enemy model and not saved is a depravity point. Of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> it is um, and that lets you summon more uh, demons. So they almost doubled the price of some of these summons because when they first came out, um, yeah, yeah. you would get a free two thousand point army by the end of round two because your initial army would be dead, and then you just bring it all back on again. I think the, um, the biggest argument against a, a classic sideboard approach for Age of Sigmar and 40k and stuff like that would simply be the quantity of models you'd have to be thinking about. 
because in, in Bushido it's fine. I, I've got seven models in my main list and I've got two, maybe three in my sideboard. <laughs> it's not a real problem. If I'm turning up with 100 models in, in, in a list and I need to have another 30 in the sideboard... Well, all, all I'll say is it's, I mean? it's not a problem for Games Workshop. No. <laughs> but we're not interested in the health of Games Workshop broadly. We're d- interested d- in the health d- of the game. They can manage it themselves. As it turns uh, out. Yeah. It's pretty good at that. Actually. Again, you, you could get very cynical. Some people got very cynical about the amount of Slanesh Greater Demon sold and then they got hit with the uh, nerf bat. It's a pretty it's model. Good. Well, in fact, the, the model's still as powerful as it was, just you don't need as many of them. Mm. So people were turning up with turning up with three in their list and they give someone another two or three, maybe. That so you need sounds, to make sure you that. That sounds one. like a lot. It's a weird thing to get annoyed about in a way because you know when you agree to purchase these models to play in a game when new rules have come out for those models that inherently there's going to be new rules for those models at some point again. And you just have to accept that. Like, yeah, it's, it's a bit like McLaren kicking off that their tyres cost too much this year. <laughs> yeah, sure. you you want to do well, you're gonna you're gonna spend the money. That's yeah, that's how any competitive. Yeah, I mean, business. Like, so, yeah. It's a it's a business model. Magic is the obviously the uh, the distillation of, of that situation. I mean, we were ostensibly talking about the meta with Age of Sigmar and like keeping up with it. And one thing we haven't talked about, and we're not, we need to wind up now, we're not going to get into it too much, but is simply like keeping up by painting or buying. And oh, yes, we started that, didn't we? And painting yes, the and then, then it turns out we, we didn't stay on topic. Oh, that's, that's fine. Well, hopefully this has been interesting in some well, way for people. But Yeah, I wouldn't recommend my method to most people. Because most people don't have the room or inclination yeah, to paint the it, as quickly. It, yeah. It's not but practical. It's, it's, a, it's a method. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people borrow my armies to go to events to fill out what they already have. To, to quickly like look at this, very quickly look at this, mm. like how important is painting an Age of Sigmar uh, tournament? Do people? Do you see a lot of grey on the tables? I. You see a lot of. You do see a lot of tabletop standard. Um, but that's fine. no. No, it's not looked down upon. Uh, but I would say the tour, the the hobby scene is. Very high. I've seen I, some spectacular stuff, but it, it's, what I mean is, like, what's the percentage of grey plastic to painted? Well, you, what's you the ratio there. I haven't all the ma- all the tournaments I've been to haven't allowed unpainted yeah. minis. That's, or even that's, base that's so there is a there is a we used to use the old <coughs> free color minimum. That's not that, that's really a thing. It's more like an appropriate. That's always been my experience with GW some, is that it, that's a painting requirement. Yeah. War Machine was different because it dispersed with that. Ooh, that was a poor choice. You well, you see a lot of unpainted at War Machine because I don't think you do in the official events anymore because it didn't make very good publicity shots. Oh, no, it's yeah. terrible. I I think the trouble you, there is an argument against requiring painted models from an accessibility point of view. If you are incapable of painting models, maybe you know. Yes, someone could paint them for you and so on. Um, I I understand what you're getting at. Um, but for me, turning up to a tabletop, if I can sort of get the idea that maybe these person, people are physically disadvantaged, you know what? They put paint on the model. Oh, yeah. It does. You know what? They could have used a, a three-inch paint roller to do it. I, I feel that like... That doesn't bother me. I would like to see painted models on the board. I sometimes turn up without. Like, I try more and more to turn up with only painted models. Uh, like, Rotha Kings, I only play with painted models now. Um... If I want to try something new out, I'd better get my paintbrush out and find some time. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, there's an there's an argument there that I think I I see, but I'm not sure I 100 percent 
agree with. I think you look, you you've decided to get into a hobby where painting is part of it. Um, it doesn't have to be good. We see. I, I I don't I don't hold much truck with I can't paint as an excuse because I've I've lost a sight in one eye. Yeah, and I've still cranking out armies. Yeah, but, I mean, for instance, we, we we do have a common acquaintance who who is incapable of painting. Like, he, but he, he manages slowly. Well, we might be talking about a different person. Uh, I don't know what that okay. shape for you that means with your hands. Um, no, someone who is like physically incapable from birth of the uh, the coordination. Yes, yes we're talking about for painting. Yeah. He, he he earns decent money, so he pays people to paint his models. That's um, the way around it. Yes, but not everyone earns decent money, so it. And I know plenty of physically able people who will not paint minis. Yeah, I, I, I basically, I'm mentally I've, incapable of finishing. I, I, I paint miniatures when I have to for tournaments. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to do more, but it's not going to happen. I just know that. Yeah, and I, I know someone who's followed a white dwarf painting guide for a miniature and had it taken off the table at Warhammer World because it wasn't three colours minimum. Wow, that's impressive. It is. It was the uh, Army of the Dead for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> because it's grey with a green wash yep. dry brush grey well that's there's two colours on that not three take it off the table again the, the concept of three colours <sighs> is essentially codifying something which does you, not need you, it should be at the tournament organiser's discretion but as a guide three colours is, is expected but when then, appropriate and then you'll get I also know people who've turned up with Elder Guardian sprayed black eyes splotched on badly and a pouch done on the back in cream but we we uh, both yeah. and he also had those models removed, we which I think was a good decision. Both played in a tournament where a metal Necron Lord was placed on the table, not undercoated, and when questioned, the uh, player said, "Well, he's chrome, isn't he?" He didn't say it. <laughs> Everyone in the hall heard what he said. <laughs> Your memory may be better than mine. Oh, I met him at Beachhead. Oh, did you? He was there. He was playing Shade Spy. Yeah. Good for him. Yes, I think he's a lot calmer now. <laughs> Much more at peace with the world. Good. I hope everyone is more peaceful with the world. Yeah. And so I think we need to wrap up. I I don't know that we actually covered everything I wanted to talk uh, talk about meta, but I, I'm not sure we we covered a topic. No. <laughs> um, no, but we we explored lots of them. <laughs> so hopefully this hasn't been a complete waste of time for people listening. I think there's some interesting stuff in there. I I, the, I feel that we've sort of brushed up on so many topics that we could actually expand into a full episode if any of us had <coughs> the time to actually write some notes down and then try and keep it on on course i've done a pretty poor job of keeping this on topic it's kind of your job yeah yeah hey i warned you before we started recording that i might not oh, be I've, good at that today i've just enjoyed every moment <laughs> <laughs> so um before we go uh tony you're running a tournament at silent war gamers in march yes the 15th of march so this is uh, 40k yes and it's not general admission is it it's, it's more of a it's semi-invitational i suppose it was it was invitational in the last two years this year it's been opened up to any gaming club or gaming store who wants to put in a team for a 40k event um how many players in the team it can be one it can be as many as you like oh yes so we it previously it was a two-man team format but there were comments from some clubs who could only get one person. Yeah. Okay. And then there were comments from bigger clubs saying, well, we want to put in 20 teams. Okay, okay so it will be scored as, as teams, but the teams are not a fixed number. 
yes. So yeah, as a result of that, it will just be a traditional Swiss singles in that regard. Uh, but the the way the team scores work is that all the scores from one for, for the team for a round will come in. The highest playing, uh, highest placing team member oh, okay. gets scored. He gets all of his points, and then you get an aggregate of everyone else's scores. Cool. Okay. So it still pays you to bring your best players along, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, but anyone can turn up from that club. Okay, that's cool. Cool twist on it. Mm. I like that. So what's the date again? The 15th of 15th. March. And it's £10 entry? Yes. And what, four games in one day? Is that right? Three. Three. Of Three. Course. Three's all you're going to get in for 40k in one day. Yeah, sure. Mm. Okay. Cool. So yeah, that's Silent War Gamers Club in Portsmouth. If yes. anyone listening is interested and we get this podcast out in time. Uh, then on April the 5th, same venue, I am running uh, Bushido Tournament, yep. Daimyo of the South. Uh, it's been running for like five years, I think. Uh, something um, like that. We've already got 17 players signed up, so that's cool. They're paid up as well. Uh, so it'd be nice to get a couple more maybe, but uh, I'm frantically painting scenery for that, uh, which you can I see should, sort I, of dotted I, around. I should have probably <coughs> paint my list. Yeah, I, I'm probably so going to have to play at the moment. Model. <laughs> I would, but I'm a bit busy. <laughs> I might try playtesting something if I'm required to play, because of course I will be the buy game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is also ten pounds for the day. It'll be four games in one day, uh, so a little bit, a little bit squeezed, but uh, we can do it, and it's usually good fun. So uh, yeah, check that out. Um, uh, yeah, I think that was it. So it's all you're going to get, at least. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the rambling. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening. To this, by now, you should be used to the rambling yeah, nature. Yeah, know what to expect. God. Not our fault. And I may be back according to popular opinion. Yeah, we'll try and keep yeah. you on track this time. No. Definitely, no. It's definitely your fault. No, we'll just start somewhere else and then wonder... Or, or if I get lots of hate mail, I might just come back <laughs> on to annoy you more than usual. Yeah. Well, you know, Hate mail or annoyance, I don't know yeah. which. I would, like, I would like to build this um, persona as a heel of the gaming community. <laughs> I think you need to try harder. <laughs> More latex, maybe. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> right, we'll uh, talk at you again soon. Cheers. Yeah. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Find Robot Dice Explosion at robotdiceexplosion.com, at rde underscore podcast at Twitter, and Robot Dice Explosion on Facebook.